Welcome back, everyone, to the conclusion of Friends and Family Month. It's been a fast month, I'm going to tell you that much, dude. It just feels like five minutes ago. Maybe it's uh, Dragon Ball Evolution diluting time as I experience it, you know? I don't know. But this last movie, I'm so happy that our buddy Bobby picked it. Because I have had a shit couple of weeks with my job, and I had the the misfortune of having to sit through Zack Snyder's Justice League cut. So nothing better to get the taste of Zack Snyder's Justice League out of your mouth than goddamn space balls, bro. You should uh, you should check out the Colbert cut. Uh, what's so? What did he exact, uh, do exactly with it? Uh, you told me briefly about it, but he uh, I guess there is an after credit scene with Deathstroke. That he said is like one of his favorite parts of the movie, but the Snyder Cut didn't even expand on it. They just left it as was. So he expanded on it, and oh, he God. is Lex Luthor. He's wearing a <laughs> he's wearing a bald hat and everything. So he's bald okay. I, I have to see. I have to see this now. Yeah, it's great. I have to. It's see him it. talking to Deathstroke, and it's long. It's like a minute, minute and a half instead yeah, of the thirty I, seconds of the movie. It's great. I'm definitely going to be checking that out. Um, but yeah, so this has been uh, just a complete blast to kind of let, you know, some of our friends, you know, take the wheel of the show and just see just how much of a variety we've gotten that we got a musical, we got Dragon Ball Evolution, <laughs> <laughs> you get Spaceballs and, you know, something like you get a classic in the middle uh, with Spirited Away. So it's just, you know, all these apples and oranges that there's always fun to talk about. And yeah, I... With Spaceballs, I think it's kind of funny because I, I imagine, you know, that we often uh, talk about movies that we would like to do, uh, you know, potentially a commentary for. And I think if you actually tried to do a commentary of me and Ron in front of Spaceballs, you would never hear a word. It would just be us laughing and quoting lines the entire time. So it'd be like the most worthless commentary of all time. I would, <laughs> so it's, I, if it ever showed up on Prime, I would stream it on Twitch. I would do that. I would do that. But a full on commentary is, would be worthless from us. Yeah, because I could quote the fucking movie from memory, so I would not be able to <laughs> provide so any useful commentary during the film. It would just be me laughing and me quoting shit the entire fucking runtime. Did you did you have significantly less notes in the back half though? That was something I never I've never really paid attention to. Is I tend to laugh harder in the first half. Uh, yeah. There's obviously a lot of good stuff in the second half. I think it's also just part of it is just like the pacing. Yeah, uh, kind of ramps up because it's just like you know shit hitting the fan, and uh, there's less um, characters being introduced in the back half, and you know it's just, it's just you know sci-fi third act, science fantasy pretty much. But yeah, let's um let's dive in, let's get started on it. So as always, if you have not seen Spaceballs for whatever, get the fuck reason. off this podcast if you haven't seen Spaceballs. <laughs> just get the fuck out. But, but wait, 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 wait. <laughs> quick aside, uh, I know, I know. <laughs> right, welcome to our spinoff podcast. Quick aside, it starts. Somebody, now. somebody, get me the fucking Rotten Tomatoes CEO on the fucking line, Ron. Because Spaceballs has a fifty-five percent. I saw that on Rotten Tomatoes. I saw that. Um, so you're gonna you're gonna tell me Rotten Tomatoes? You're gonna tell me Spaceballs is a fifty-five. And Zack Snyder's Justice League cut is a 73. You can go fuck yourself. It has a 46 on Metacritic. Why? And a 7.1 you... on Spaceball on uh, IMDb on Spaceball's page. 
They can fuck off. It's a perfect 10. It, what What is there to critique? It's a fucking Mel Brooks parody. You gonna like question the character development and narrative of Spaceballs? It's a fucking comedy. And it's a classic comedy at that. I don't... I saw that and I was fucking astounded, dude. I was actually triggered. Because yeah. who the fuck... I've never heard anyone dislike Spaceballs in my entire life. I haven't either. I uh, I went to go rent it because turns out I don't own it. Uh, I own it on VHS, I guess is what I was thinking of, but that's at my parents' house. So I went to rent it, and it the service that I was using had the uh, the Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter. Tomate, tomate, they haven't one word, right? To, to meter? To, I, th- I think tomato, so. I think so. Tomater. Mater from Cars. Mater meter. Um, mater meter. Happier than a tomato in a trailer park. Um, but yeah, it fifty five percent broke my heart. That's fucking ridiculous. I was insulted. I was. I, I just. Don't, I just don't understand. But I don't get it. Uh, yeah. Fuck rotten tomatoes. Fuck any any aggregator that boils down a fucking movie to a percentage point is worthless to me. Don't need like, it. Like it's just it's just a waste of time. Art now, is subjective. We don't need a score attached to it. Well, art is subjective, and it's subjective in a hell of a lot better way than just boiling it down to a yes or no aggregator, you know. Uh, now, obviously, it can help differentiate between what's good and what's, you know, like, it, it can help to differentiate between what's great and what is absolutely atrocious, because most of the movies on Rotten Tomatoes that have, like, a 20% or less are genuinely pretty fucking bad, you know. Right. It's just when you get into these like uh, areas like Spaceballs where it's like, you know, getting a 55% that I I just I, I question why Rotten Tomatoes became such a big deal and why Remedicator became such a big thing in the first place if you get, if you catch my drift there on that. But yeah, people uh, that plan each and every single movie that they ever see around these scores. It's really depressing because it, it really makes is, me sad there's there's so much more nuance me. to a to a movie or a TV show than whether a, a single person on the internet and in an aggregator score says yes or no, you know, that, that you're leaving all, you know, I, I, I don't even really look up reviews at all anymore, but if I was, I would find a handful of critics that I respected. And, you know, maybe I kind of, for the most part had similar tastes and then read their review either before or after the movie and actually, you know, digest what the fuck the movie is even about outside of a percentage point you know right in a yes or no because there's so much more, like i mean it's it's so much more obtuse than that but i digress <laughs> back to this the the genuine cult uh not even just a genuine fucking classic that genuine is Spaceballs. classic yes genuine classic fucking i've seen space balls dozens of times i will continue to watch it it never gets boring to me I laugh at all the same fucking jokes every single time. I'm going to watch it again before my rental's up. It's just so good, and it's such a good... You know, it's great to, if you're actually paying attention to it. It's great if you just have it on the background, because you do, like I was just about to say, like my first note is, I fucking love the theme of Spaceballs. It just takes me to a happy place. Spaceballs! It's, it's so watch quirky out. and over the top, <laughs> and it's... Uh, now, I'm not even talking... Now, the actual space balls theme with you know like vocal swords in is great too and i have nostalgia for that as well but even just the orchestral theme i like a lot because how hokey it is and it just right. it just fits it perfectly i love all the laser sounds during the crawl the pew pew. yeah yeah the, the crawls <laughs> the crawl is fucking great uh I, one of my first notes i wrote down that 
uh, you know, unbeknownst to them, but <laughs> known to, to us. us. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking great. That's one of my I first love, notes as well. That, love that if you line. can read this, you don't need glasses. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that would maybe them later. And maybe one of the most iconic film openings to me of all time is just like the three years that it takes for Spaceballs <laughs> 1 to cross the screen with that intense fucking Jaws style music uh, just going on. the entire time. Forever. I have never clocked it. How fucking long does it actually okay. go across? It's got to be two minutes, right? From the beginning of the movie at triple zeros to the ass end of the ship finally reaching the screen was three and a half minutes. So with you the actually crawl, clocked it? With the crawl nice. and the ship, it's three and a half minutes into the movie before you see the back of the ship. In a movie that only is about 90 minutes long. That's a significant time to have nothing happening. <laughs> and I fucking love them for it. And I love that it's like shark-shaped. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, and my, my next note was, why the fuck don't I own a We Break for Nobody bumper sticker on my car? Because I, I, fucking, need, I fucking need that in my life, dude. Uh, so it, with Spaceballs, uh, this is a real quick rundown. Yeah, the cast and crew uh, behind it's obviously it's it's Mel Brooks. You know, oh, God, if yes. you've uh, if you're if you're not familiar with Mel Brooks, you have a gigantic catalog of just pure genius to dive through. And I'm actually jealous because I wish I, I if I could um, oh, Jesus. re-experience what? some of his movies for the first time again. You know, like a Young Frankenstein or Spaceballs, something like that. It'd just be wonderful. But uh, yeah, so it's directed by Mel Brooks, produced by him. He is one of the co-writers, along with Ronnie Graham and Thomas Meehan. I never knew that the minister is Ronnie Graham. Oh, yeah. Uh, I noticed that the when I... the down the ramp and out the door. <laughs> <laughs> and holy the... moly! <laughs> the, uh, the whole catalog of Mel Brooks' movies are just fantastic, but I think Spaceballs might be just like the the best collective casting they ever did because oh, fucking agree. everyone in this movie from the main cast to the voices they pick, you know, like for dot with, you know, drum rivers, uh, with all the side characters, every single person is so perfectly chosen for what they have to do in the movie. It's wonderful. There's not a single person you don't like or laugh at because everyone is just fantastic. So you have, uh, filling out the main cast, you have, uh, Bill Pullman, as Lone Star, uh, one of my favorite actors of all time, John Candy, which, <laughs> fuck, man, I miss John Candy so much. One of my, I know. One of my most beloved actors, and it's such a shame that he died so young. I think he died when he was 43 or 44 in the early mid-90s from a heart attack. Way too soon. He would have been wonderful for, for decades. Have you ever seen him in um, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? Yes. I fucking love that movie, and he's wonderful in it. Because, you know, outdoors. everyone associates him with comedy, and he's obviously fantastic at that. But there are some dramatic beats to to planes, trains, and automobiles where John Candy is genuinely a great actor, and I think it's kind of a shame that he, uh, you know, unfortunately didn't get to have long enough of a career because I feel like John Candy, had he lived longer, would eventually circle back around to you know being one of those comedic actors that eventually does dip back into drama and actually show just how good he was at it. You know? Yeah, probably he. Uh, for the most part, he was kind of himself in the best way because he was basically just a big teddy bear and that's mm -hmm. kind of the way he was in every movie that he was in he was even kind of that way on a lot of the sctv stuff i've seen yeah but, another yeah. person another person who is just maybe my favorite performance of the movie which is you know it's it's, it's picking your favorite uh, your favorites out of your kids but rick moranis <laughs> is dark helmet he's so fucking funny in this movie dude 
Mm, my God. So as a child, I did not appreciate Rick Moranis enough. But, you know, especially in recent years with all the buzz about, like, Mint Mobile when he came back to do that commercial, because he's been retired yeah. for a number of years. Um, and that created a shit ton of buzz for Mint Mobile when he came back and did that commercial with Ryan Reynolds. And he did literally nothing. And everybody wants yeah, to Yeah, he just walked he on and said, what, like, hi? And that was pretty much it. Yeah, I'm here to do the commercial. What do you mean to do? This is it. Just, just, just stand here. That's all we need you to do. And that was true. It was enough because it was in every news feed, every Rick podcast, goddamn Moranis, everything that Rick fucking Moranis is back for this one commercial, and it just kind of broke the internet. But he, uh, I did not appreciate him enough as a kid. But as an adult, going back, you know, Spaceballs and Ghostbusters, and oh man, like his, it's his delivery. His, his delivery, delivery is so could not good, be more perfect. Every scene, he has the immaculate timing for it, man. Dude, uh, the- you need to watch. You really, really need to watch the remake of uh, uh, Little Shop of Horrors because Jesus oh yeah, Christ, yeah, he's so good. I'm surprised you haven't picked that for the podcast yet, just because it's of how- in the lineup. It's yeah, on, it's on how- HBO right now. It's in the lineup. Just how wonderful that fucking cast is for that movie has me sold immediately. And and also, you know, just real quickly, back, backing up, I think Bill Pullman is actually kind of underrated, too. Oh, um, very much so. Uh, Bill Pullman uh, kind of gets a, a a bad rap, almost, as being... Like, a lot of people view him as being this kind of mediocre actor, but I think if you actually look back at his career and look at some of his versatility, it reminds me a lot of um, Chris Evans. Because yes. Bill Pullman, when he wants to, he can have great comedic timing, you know, you know, like he does in Spaceballs and many other things. But he can also, you know, uh, on a dime, just turn, you know, pure stoicness, you know, uh, like Independence Day. He's that that fucking speech, dude, is one of the best performances I have ever seen out of Bill Pullman in my entire life is actually on Torchwood. Oh, I, I actually didn't realize he was in that. Who does he play in Torchwood? So it's interesting Torchwood got, it's one of those shows that it got canceled and it came back, then it got canceled. And then Stars got it for the final season and it didn't do anything for Stars and they canceled it again. But the thing that was different about the Stars season is it had an overall arc for the entire season mm-hmm. rather than episode to episode like Doctor Who was at the time. And he is one of the quote unquote villains of the Stars season. There's, there's a few of them, but. A thing happens to the world where nobody can die. And it happens right at his execution for, like, raping and killing this child. And he's, like, the first one. He's executed. His sentence is carried out, so he just has to be released into the world because mm-hmm. his sentence was carried out. And he, by the end of the season, he's, like, this televangelist, prophet, spiritual movement guy the fuck why have i not seen this it's incredible it's absolutely incredible and his performance in that is amazing yeah i've always really liked bull pillman uh and i it's kind of sad that he will not vanish into the night i yeah that that speech is is it's just it's wonderful and i i I just i just feel like uh it's almost it almost seems to be maybe 
just his selection of films. He he seems to be very specific about what he decides to appear in and what roles he's interested in portraying. Because he, when you think back of just how long his career has spanned, he hasn't really been in too many high-profile gigs, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I think it has to be something where he is just very particular. That's what surprised me about Independence Day Regurgence because he, uh, he reprised President Whitmore in that. Mm-hmm. I have not seen that one. I've only seen the original. It'll be in the list eventually. Because uh, I want to talk about it. Uh, that movie so you didn't like it, but you want to talk about it. The, the, the long and short of it is, the biggest problem I have with that movie is that it has Independence Day slapped on the front of it. If you call it anything gotcha. else, it's a good movie. Gotcha, makes sense. Um, so we have Mel Brooks, who plays not only President Screw, but also Yogurt. And you want to talk about... I have mad respect for Mel Brooks for being the fucking director, uh, co-writer, and producer. And it's he's, he's fucking Mel Brooks. And he signs himself up to go through that fucking yogurt makeup, which I can't imagine. Have you ever looked <laughs> at how much green fucking... I guess it's food coloring is inside his fucking mouth. I know. Man, it's, he he went so all gross. out. It's disgusting, and he went all out to play yogurt, and I kind of love that about I him. I assume he just had to like swish something in his mouth and spit it out. Yeah, I, I guarantee you, they specifically had to frame uh, the production schedule to have all the yogurt shit done at the end. Because I can only imagine how many weeks he had green teeth because of how fucking disgusting his mouth is from that dude. It, it looks gnarly. He, uh, in that documentary I was telling you about, which I encourage everyone to go look up, it's on Amazon Prime. It's called Mel Brooks Make a Noise. Uh, he talks about how he was a drummer when he was in band, specifically because they're the loudest instrument and they're the one that you hear. Because he mm-hmm. could have been a flautist, he could have played trumpet, but none of them get as much attention as the drums, and he wants attention. That's why he does what he does, and that's why he's in all of his movies. He has to have the attention. Gotcha. So he yeah, signed himself up for President Scroob and Yogurt, two of the memorable characters from this movie. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, he's 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 great at it. Uh, Daphne Zuniga plays Princess Vespa. I didn't know how you said that, how you say that. I I'm probably fucking it up. That is my best. No, I'm sure you nailed it. She her real name sounds more like a princess name than <laughs> Princess Fucking Vespa does. <laughs> just found that funny. Uh you wanna talk about another guy who just has wonderful fucking comedic timing in this movie is Dick Van Patten, who oh plays King God. Roland. He is hilarious in this movie, dude. I <laughs> laugh my ass off at some of his delivery, especially in the uh the scenes where he's talking to a uh a camera, you know, yes. pretending to have the conversation because it's not an actual conversation happening. So he's having to just kind of play off of either nothing or, you know, like a crew guy yeah. filling in Lone Star's lines or whoever he's talking to, you know, and, uh, oh, yeah. and when he later. <laughs> it's just fucking hilarious, dude. One of my favorite characters in the entire film is Colonel Sanders. George Weiner is <laughs> yes. also just fucking astounding in this. Oh, my God, dude. Even just down to his facial expressions. But out of everything that he says and does in this movie, the Mr. Coffee thing has got to be the best. <laughs> of course, sir. We all know that, sir. I did not see you playing with your doll, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, dude, it's it's the fucking best. Sanders immediately covers balls. Yes, sir. <laughs> dude, that running joke when everyone in the entire fucking space station always is covering their balls around Dark Helmet. It's it's the fucking best. Goddamn, how does this movie have a fifty five percent, dude? I'm laughing know. just thinking about it. It's fucking gold. It's a Fuck. good thing you were wearing that helmet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's Fuck, just, we let's gotta get through again. this. We gotta get talking. We gotta get through this. It's too good. Yeah. Uh, let's round out the rest of the cast. Uh, Joan, Joan Rivers as Dot is just chef's kiss of a fucking uh, uh, fucking casting. My choice. favorite performance, and it's just her voice, dude. She's which is great. enough. She has a very iconic voice. Yeah. Uh, her voice is also and props to whoever came up with the idea of naming her character Dot Matrix. Right? That yeah. Is uh, beautiful. I forgot her name was Dot Matrix. That's that's the thing about Mel Brooks movies is there's attention to detail that is so unnecessary for a type of comedy they're doing which is most of the time just a really over the top parody. <laughs> and yes. like you'll I'll, I'll get to some of my notes later once we start going through a little bit more of the actual film itself outside of, you know, like the production, but um yeah, I I want to get into some stuff about the writing later. There's so much crazy attention to detail that is just the type of stuff that's just Jeff Crack for me that I I love when people go out of their way when they didn't have to. Yes. Uh, Let's see. Uh, I'm trying to see. see. So after that, we basically just have, we have, you know, notable actors popping up, but it's mostly just in bit roles. That's pretty much the, the, the main, the main portions of the cast. One of them is a screenplay rewind alum. Oh yes. Yes, indeed. So let's see what my next note. <laughs> Speaking of the attention to detail, I just want to run through some of my things that I noticed just throughout the movie. Uh, the fucking tie on Dark Helmet. Yes. <laughs> makes me laugh, and it's just there. And it, and it doesn't. It has no reason to fucking be there, and it's so fucking hilarious to me every time I see it for the first time. It's like the shortest short tie I've ever seen. And I don't understand why it's there, but it works for some reason with that costume. <laughs> and, and the thing I love... you should be noticing is the helmet, but you're noticing yeah, but the, the first, fucking tie. The first fucking thing, he has this massive fucking dome on his head, but the first thing my eyes are attracted to every time I start up the movie is his fucking tie. And I just, I don't understand how my brain works that way, but mine does the same goddamn thing. Not only that, but the, like, the boxer shorts... On the outside of the suit, <laughs> yeah, they 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 have like they bloom almost. It's like they have like a fucking they're they're inflated. <laughs> yeah, what the <laughs> fuck is that? He's got parachute shorts, dude, and uh, the fucking Scrooge coin they all have as their belt buckle. Yeah, that, that all, all of the space balls, you know, did whether you see they're... the giant bat cave sized one that's in Scrooge's oh, office? Oh yeah, yeah. By the way, uh, I assume Scroob is like shorthand for screwball, since we're Spaceballs, and he's a bit mm-hmm. of a screwball. Yeah, I think so. But, yeah. <laughs> you went over my helmet? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. No, not that. Yes, <laughs> that. The, the voice change when the helmet is down <laughs> versus when it's yeah. open is hysterical as well. So what's funny, too, is I was specifically looking uh, during this viewing, because this is one of those films where I have seen it so many goddamn times, you can just kind of watch the movie on autopilot and just pay attention to the background because you just have everything fucking memorized. I always thought, and I'm still not 100% sure, 
I don't know if maybe you you know this or maybe you read it if you did like a little bit of research into the production of it. I always assumed that the dark helmet voice was added in post, you know, either by Rick Moranis, you know, specifically doing the voice after the the, the production had completed and they were in the editing bay or whatever and doing like ADR and shit to give it more of like an oomph to make it sound, you know, like he's behind the helmet. But then there's that scene that I mentioned earlier uh, where he's playing with the dolls and he seems to be doing the exact same voice and it doesn't appear to be ADR'd. So I think potentially throughout the entire fucking movie, that voice, when he does the Dark Helmet voice, is just Rick Moranis being a genius. (laughs) And that kind of blew my mind. You you think there's just like reverb inside the helmet? I think it's honest to God. Just Yeah, I think it's just slightly echoing within the helmet, but he's so good at it. And it just happens to do this, like, perfect effect that I think it's just what is being recorded, which is crazy. Because you would think that would have been ADR'd, but I wonder if maybe they intended to do that. And then they heard his voice through the helmet. And they're like, it's it's good. It's perfect as it is. So just fuck it. Put it in the movie, you know? I wonder if how much of it, <clears throat> how much of it they actually doctor after ADR. Or they just add some reverb and maybe make it a tiny bit deeper so it sounds similar enough. When he's yeah. playing with the dolls, I don't know, because it's got to be ADR, right? If if they did it in ADR, it's too perfect. It's got to be ADR. It's, if they see like that scene where he's playing with the dolls, and it's so immaculately, if it isn't edited, it is a fucking chef's kiss of an edit because I couldn't tell the difference, man. It sounded like it's just Rick Moranis doing that fucking voice, and man, if that's an edit. Their fucking audio uh, team did a, a fantastic job. Well, I, I think with the I think with the dolls would be real, but I wonder how much they're doctoring it in ADR for the rest of the movie. Yeah, that's the thing though is if you compare the scenes, I, w- I was specifically listening for it because it just kind of piqued my interest. It sound it, like his voice when he's doing it has a lot of the <laughs> characteristics of that reverb. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, the thing you're talking about. And it's just it's maybe it's just nuts a filter if... that they're running it through. He's the only because when Sanders bursts into the room, it changes. True. Yeah. That's not an over the shot scene, right? They show his face. It's not an over the shoulder shot, right? I think so. I think so. Okay. Yeah. Because what maybe, maybe he's the only one in the room. Maybe they are running it through a filter until Sanders opens the door. Knock! Yeah, I told you to knock! If they are doing any types of audio tricks in post, then they did a, a great job making it work pretty seamless for the rest of the edit. So, yeah, kudos to them. See playing with your dolls again, sir. <laughs> <laughs> What's the matter, God Colonel damn. Sanders? Chicken. Chicken. <laughs> see, that's Who the thing. Who can deliver that line the way that's Rick Moranis the, does? That's the thing, is Rick Moranis is such a fucking genius. You can not only quote every goddamn line he says... You can say it in his cadence that he uses for every single line because it's all fucking gold, man. It's like, when he, he's like, yeah, smoke him if you got him. <laughs> How about we all just take a five-minute break? <laughs> it's a good thing we're wearing that helmet, sir. Huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, I was going to say, his transition to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids when he goes face first to the console <laughs> is fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> my brains are going into my feet. <laughs> Dude. I don't want to, watch- to stop. We can't stop. It's too dangerous. Yeah, and you got, you got, yeah, you're taking it exactly in his cadence, too, because it's his uh, whiner fucking... <laughs> 
is immaculate in that scene. What's with all this bubbling and churning? You call that a radar screen? (laughs) No, sir. We call it Mr. Coffee. I also fucking love how later on when they go to do the, uh, you know, fast forwarding, sir, see that it's Mr. Rental above the VHS tapes. Everything is Mr. The the radar is Mr. Radar also. Yeah. God God. damn. I fucking adore this movie. More More attention to detail. That I that I fucking love. Yes, I always have coffee when I view the radar. You know that. Heart. Of course I know that, sir. Hot. <laughs> Too hot. <laughs> uh, well, I hope so, it's a long ceremony, because it's going to be a short honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> yeah. there. Oh, oh, I have a fucking line that I, I had to fucking Wikipedia search to figure out what the fuck they were referencing that, that, that blew my mind. But first... Just to round out the re- this this fucking episode is gonna be like three hours long. Yes, we're just gonna Thanks, stop Bobby. to quote the mo- we're gonna have to stop to quote the fucking shit and then laugh at it for ten <laughs> seconds every time. But the fact that they have the Mog on board placard in the back when you see outside the Winnebago, yes, and then when they show inside the uh, Barf's five. room, they also have. The goddamn Mog on board placard in the back, uh, like, windshield, too, you know? Yeah. And just the fact that someone went out of their way to place that there just makes me happy. And the fact that they went out of their way to make the fucking ears and tail on Barf animatronic yes, is animatronic awesome. animatronic for no reason. Yeah. Barf. Any other fucking parody director, they would have just been lifeless fucking, you know, teddy bear style ears and, a, and a, like, a fake a tail. On string but- at best. Yeah, and they're they're fucking fully Yoda level animatronics, dude, and yeah. that's fucking awesome because they make great use of it. Like every time his ears perk up, like actually like a fucking dog, you know, it's yeah. it's great. And then maybe why one of my all time uh-huh. funny, she doesn't look druish. <laughs> maybe one of my all time <laughs> lines in fiction is, "I'm a mog, half man, half dog." I'm my own best friend. And just the way that he smiles. Can and we talk about how perfect casting John Candy is? Because uh, yes. if, anyone, if anyone started out as a dog and was reincarnated as a human, it's got to be John Candy himself, right? So casting him as lovable Barf, dudes ever. Oh, my God, dude. His face throughout this whole thing and the way he's constantly... If you watch him, even when he's in the background... <clears throat> He's never not being a dog. He's never not in character as a dog once. It's insanity. He's going down. He's sitting there eating like the barf bucket. And then, dude, the line when he's yelling, barf! Oh, always when I'm eating. (laughs) 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 And then he picks up like the milk bones and just starts dancing his way to the front of the RV. Yeah, I, I also like the, the the quick rapid fire. How he's he's repeating back to Lone Star everything that he's doing. He's like he's going down. He's going. I, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> uh, uh, another yeah, John. God damn, I miss John Candy. One of my absolute fucking favorites. One of my just favorite one off scenes of his. Have you ever switch? seen? Have you ever seen Uncle Buck? I have not. That is a that's a John Candy blind spot for me. You should you should just watch it just for fucking John Candy. There's a moment. Where he's trying to be, so he, he, you know, you know, he's like the essentially the babysitter that ends up being kind of like a father figure to the kids. You can kind of tell what the movie's about, you know, just from like mm-hmm. the, the fucking poster, basically. But he has a scene 
where like the boyfriend of the the daughter of the family that he's watching you know is trying to uh, to pick her up for i believe it's uh going on a date <laughs> and he has this seat i don't even remember where he gets it i think he just has one in his fucking trunk because he's like just one of those crazy who has like a shit ton of stuff in his trunk mm-hmm. he pulls out as he's talking <laughs> to the daughter's boyfriend he pulls out a fucking power drill and just starts buzzing the power drill while he's staring at the boyfriend. <laughs> and John Candy just flips from fucking lovable, you know, uh, John Candy to this menacing fucking, I'm going to murder you and they'll never find the body face. And I have remembered that since I watched that movie probably <laughs> over 20 years ago, dude. Yeah, the, uh, the review of that, that movie man. that I've heard was actually really interesting because I basically heard that that movie is good. John Candy is great in it, but at the same time, John Candy was like a weird choice for it. It's almost like they felt like it was too dark, so they switched it to John Candy. Yeah, I could definitely like, see that. They said that like he doesn't he he does good in it. He does good as Uncle Buck, but the Uncle Buck character is like an odd fit. Like it's almost an odd casting. Like he was a last minute switch. Which would make sense because yeah. he's buddies with John Hughes from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which I think was a few years before Uncle yeah. Buck. So it could have been just like a last minute audible to to bring in John Candy for it. Yeah, and like you know, Uncle Buck is supposed to be like an alcoholic, like gambling addicted, like dude with dude what has skeletons in his closet, um, trying like trying to take care of these kids and like trying to work out his own shit, right? Basically. But at the same time, it completely works because if a dude was just purely, you know, visually, (laughs) mentally deranged, no one in their right mind would make him in charge of the kids. Yeah. But you can kind of buy it if it's John Candy because it's, you know, it's John Candy. So he just goes from, you know, like a, like a, you know, fun loving dude to 180 all of an instant. He's a fucking psychopath. So yeah, I haven't seen it in a really long time, but I I do uh, have nostalgia for it because I did really like it as a kid. So I actually would be interested in revisiting that one just to kind of see how it, I'm down for anything. Candy man. Dude. Amen. Love that man. I love pretty much every movie of his I've ever seen. I told you that he's the, the radio host in, um, God, I'm so tired. I keep losing the name of little shop of horrors. He's the radio host in that. Little Shop of Horrors has one of the most insane casts. That, Probably yeah. the best cast for a movie I haven't seen. That, that I've casting ever seen. is nuts, dude. Yeah, it, it has one of the... Steve Martin has the best song, in my opinion. It has one of the most ridiculous uh, IMDb page uh, pages you can ever see. Uh, so, another bit of just... Rick Moranis, Steve Martin, and John Candy in the same movie. Yes, sir. Anyways, sorry. Which... This movie. <laughs> Yeah, this movie. Quick aside, back to the movie. <laughs> the movie is the aside at this point. The movie is the, the quick aside. So, w- I never noticed this until this fucking viewing. You know the Mercedes flying car that yeah. Dot and Vespa escape the, the fucking it's wedding the in? the fucking Mercedes like hood ornament and everything. If you look at the front license plate of the Mercedes, they made a Druidia fucking license plate. Yeah. It says Druidia, the fresh air planet. <laughs> Dude, if you want to talk details in the movie, talk about the model on Spaceball One. Yeah. It looks like it belongs in Star Wars. It looks like ILM made that fucking thing. Yeah, totally. Like all the little details on the thing's like a mile and a half long, and it has that much detail. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's. Uh, that's That was the thing I never really noticed as a kid. Going back into this movie as an adult, 
right after not watching it in probably a decade and still quoting it word for word all the time mm-hmm. is just the level of detail not only just in the set designs but the the models and everything itself like John Candy's animatronic ears spaceball 1 uh Everything inside the Winnebago is a reference to something or other. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, everything, it's not just junked up to look junked up. Everything has purpose in it. Um, down to their sets, if you sit down and watch any Star Wars movie, you recognize every location that they visit in Absolutely, this movie. yeah. Like, it, and, it, and, it's nuts. Just how... Mm, the little the little details for no reason, like the little short tie that Dark Helmet has for no reason. It it's black on black on black. It blends in, but you can still see it. It's still a detail that is there. And I think that all boils down to, uh, it's just the difference in a Mel Brooks parody versus other people's parodies. Is other parodies for the most part, outside of you know like rare exceptions, uh, are cash grabs. Yes. But Mel Mel Brooks's parodies are always a passion project. Like the motherfucker dressed himself up as yogurt <laughs> for a fucking two or three month production. Especially you know? with strawberries. <laughs> um, yeah. So the th- one of the things that I wanted to talk about is one of the things that I have always heard my entire life is I don't understand how you can watch Mel Brooks and not like like scary movie or any of those that horse shit as I can't stand those movies. Meet the Spartans, shit like that. Yeah, and the reason is when I want I watch the first couple scary movies and all I see is people falling down and basically fart jokes. And then in Stuff like Spaceballs and Robin Hood Men in Tights and, you know, uh, The Producers. and Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. Those movies, if you remove the comedies, still work as movies. Yeah. Even though they are just comedy. And they all have a purpose. They all have, um, like, a story behind them. Like, Spaceballs is about a goddamn ecological disaster. Right? Fucking Planet Spaceball, it said... Barrier. (laughs) The the word that they used was squandered their atmosphere in the crawl. I made a note of that. Because that is very specific phrasing. They squandered their atmosphere on Planet Spaceball, right? Yep. Fucking President Scrooge is huffing cans of air from Planet Druidia. It says bottled on Planet Druidia on the label on the can. I love that segue too, where he he's having the conversation on the phone with the person. You know, he's I I assure you everything's fine. There is no air shortage, and he immediately just starts huffing the can. Yeah, immediately starts huffing the air, and then uh, and then when she calls him on the wall, he reacts like he's masturbating or something. He like tosses it over his shoulder, yeah, <laughs> real quick. Uh, I told you to never call me on this wall. Um, but then this is a secure wall. <laughs> this is a secure wall. This is an unlisted wall. Um. So then the other like thing that's in the details, right? All the way down to the fucking planet name that they're robbing the air from, Druidia. Druids, often associated with the environment and protecting environment and being respectful of nature, has air so clean that they're bottling it and selling it. Yep. Like, this works as a movie. This story works on it as a story on its own. That's not in scary movie. Fuck, 
Airplane does the same thing. It it, it works as a disaster movie still if you remove the comedy, but the, it should be just like every other disaster movie ever made. But yeah, that's it that's still the thing works. is it's smart. Just because it's, it's a parody, so smart. That's the thing is people started phoning in uh, specifically on par- like the Me the Spartans guys. There was like two directors. I think they also wrote them. They they did so many piss poor like just laughably bad parodies in a five year span. They essentially killed the parody genre. Like yeah. it's real sad that we just, it's a genre that literally can't exist anymore because people are just associated nowadays with those fucking pieces of shit. But just because a thing's a parody doesn't mean that it has to be dumb. Yeah. <laughs> like there are, there are, you know, comedic Fuck aspects that. of Mel Brooks's stuff that, that is, you know, kind of childlike, but it's never stupid and it's never phoned in. One of them is, is literally called Breaking Wind, Jeff. It's literally <laughs> the name of the Twilight one. Because there's a Twilight book called um, Breaking Dawn, I think, or something like that. Yeah, it, it's a fucking fourth grader level yeah. joke every time instead of, you know, at, actually being intelligent with your with your comedy. Which, that's the thing. Is, it's, it's funny is in how comedy used to be a revered aspect of movie making, to you know especially it was its in its own art yeah especially in the era of mel brooks and it was basically you know made into a genre by mel brooks himself because he was just so prolific at it and he made so many good movies in that type of genre and for it to just you know overnight once he stopped making them just have those those you know later parodies of the past 20 years just kind of shit shit the bed and kill the genre it makes me real sad but I'm just so appreciative that Mel Brooks was so prolific that we have such a big catalog to draw from, you know, just the for all those movies that he made. The only other person I can think of that is as beloved, as prolific, and hits the nail on the head just as many times would be Weird Al Yankovic, right? Yeah. And if you look at his parodies, there's a lot in common. A, they're catchy fucking songs. B, they're smart. The lyrics are fucking smart. They're, it's not just like, you know, he's putting in some funny, funny sounds and slide whistles and stuff in the background and just coming up with some empty ass lyrics that are kind of funny. Some of his songs are fucking smart. Um, I think the same way with, uh, you know, to a different extent, just because it's, you know, it's, it's pure stand up. But um, George Carlin was George, always yes. was always on point because his comedy was just as relevant when he started out his career in the 70s as it was at the very end of his career, you know, in, in the last 15 years, because his stuff was just always so timely and pertinent to what the world was at the time that he was speaking. And fuck, I miss that man too. Also, a really big difference between the bullshit of the the recent parody movies versus the genius of Mel Brooks, and, and not even just him, but his, his set designers, is how yeah. much fucking environmental storytelling is in this goddamn movie and great... Like, oh, it's the Dark Souls of parodies, Jeff. Exactly. And take a drink, <laughs> because we mentioned Dark Souls. <laughs> I was but, looking um, for a the place fucking, to put it in. One of the things that I wrote down, it's one of my favorite jokes, and it's just a fucking like alert placard in the background is uh, on the, the prison station, the Spaceballs prison thing. They have a giant sign saying, conserve air, breathe less. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's another good one, too. They don't ever make it fucking uh, like a, they don't point to it to bring attention to it. But, you know, the self-destruct area, they have a sign up that says authorized personnel and non-authorized personnel do not enter. 
I love shit like that. Uh, there's so, like, so many funny jokes that you could watch that movie ten times and still and find never stuff. notice some of this shit. And it makes it so fun to revisit because I always just happen to be, and it's so random too. Because sometimes it's just where you just happen to be looking at the screen, you know, because you never watch a movie the exact same way. Your brain can take in you know parts of the movie and kind of go on autopilot that you're super familiar with you know like you can with space balls but you know generally speaking you know you can be watching a completely different portion of the screen at a given time and be delivered different jokes and different information just because of how much they gave a shit with making this movie dude it's all the way down to pizza the hunt's henchman who is a droid with a tick but the tick that he has is the fucking stereotype of a mafia dude. They're like, you know what I'm saying? Like when he like yeah. tilts his head to the left. Oh, you're delicious. You're delicious. Oh, it's so gross. Oh god. And that's another cameo, by the way. Pizza the Hut. Jesus Christ, man. Dom DeLuise. Yeah. I never knew that until uh I, I, I was watching it on Amazon, and one thing that Amazon actually does is pretty cool is if you click up like you're about to pause the movie, they have an x-ray feature where it'll yes. pop up everyone that's in the scene and you can kind of scroll over and, you know, see who's playing who. It's really cool. I learned that he was that character tonight or, uh, you know, when I was watching it this week and uh, just scrolling over and seeing that, I was like, what the fuck? He's, I had no idea he was him. Also, uh, kind of similar to going out of their way to make the animatronics for Barf, but the bubbling cheese on oh Pizza my Hut. God. Dude, I never want pizza again. Right? What the it's fuck so is on Pizza the Hut to make it look like that? It's very disturbing, and I can't look away when I'm looking at it's it. It's got to be latex or something, right? Or like some sort of really thick glue that's like being heated with air coming through it. It's so weird. It's so strange. They but... probably, like, some fucking set designer had to spend a month of his life just trying to figure out how to make the cheese melt <laughs> on Pizza <laughs> the Hut and Spaceballs, and that's awesome. Oh, yeah, that tongue gets me, too. Why the tongue? Yeah, yeah, the tongue. Fucking tongue. Oh, God. Let's see. Oh, no, okay, this was the thing I wanted to talk about, too, where uh, I mentioned earlier, you basically have to, like, uh, go to fucking Wikipedia to figure out some of these really oblique references they have. Snotty, the dude yeah. who beams Scroob. Right. When he's about to fire Snotty off, Snotty beamed like, me twice last night. <laughs> It was wonderful. It was wonderful. <laughs> when he's firing off the levers to beam him, lock one, he lock says, two. "Lock three, lock Lomond." Have you ever looked up what lock Lomond is? No. Lock Lomond is a fucking lock in Scotland. Really? One of what? It's a fucking Scottish joke. Huh. And this was written in the time before the internet. One of those motherfuckers pulled up an encyclopedia of <laughs> locks in Scotland. Let me just get the old Encyclopedia Britannica out. Yeah. C-S-C, Scotland, Scotland. Ah, oh, here it is. Because this was one of those things where it's like, this is like the dirtiest fucking time I've seen this movie probably. So I'm just like, I have always just taken that line for granted. I'm going to pause the fucking movie, rewind it, put on subtitles to see what he says. And and I never knew what Loman. that fourth one was. I knew lock one, lock yeah. two, lock three. Yeah, I, I had always just taken it at face value. And I, I is fucking it famous we... for anything? No. It's, I looked it up. I was like, is it the Loch Ness area? No, it's just a random fucking lock in Scotland. And I don't know why it's there, but it's fucking there. And just stuff like that. It just It's baffling to me that they went out of their way to that extent for Spaceballs. And I love them for it. It's the best. 
That's insane. Also, I question my my own uh, material as far as what I say while playing video games. When I realized, why the fuck when we're playing PUBG, don't I scream, keep firing, assholes? <laughs> keep firing, assholes. <laughs> I knew it. You, noticed, you know what assholes. I noticed this time? What? Uh, that instead of saying he wants a warning shot across her bow, he wants them to fire across her nose. And what are they threatening to do to her later in the movie? That's yeah, that's a good point. Is that foreshadowing for her fucking nose job? It has to that's be. That's next level, dude. That is next fucking level, dude. Because either one be. works. Those two are interchangeable across, across the nose or across the bow. It makes exactly, sense yeah. either way. That has to be very <laughs> deliberate because the nautical term is across the bow. Yeah. Yeah, you're totally right. It has to be foreshadowing. That has that had to have been one of like the last fucking jokes written into the script when they were doing their their final oh, passes. Oh, like ago. a rewrite on set, or yeah, uh, just just something really late uh, in production, yeah, either before they went on camera or you know like while they were doing it. But um, fuck, dude. <laughs> yeah, because I, I caught that this time and I was like, wait, I'm sorry, do what? Like that's a very specific thing to say. Another very specific thing they, they say that I picked up on uh, this viewing specifically is when they... So later on, after they go down to the desert planet where they find yogurt, and as they're they're doing the, the fucking video edit from them to the segue to showing the sun, John Candy literally says, nice dissolve. So yes. they call out the fucking editing tool of nice the scene. Nice dissolve? Yeah. Never really understood that before because, like, you know, when you're fuck- that's the cool thing too is you can watch this movie as a kid, and I really like this movie as a kid, and not even know half the fucking things they're talking about. The transition is referred to as a dissolve or a cross dissolve. Yeah, it's a fucking nice dissolve. editing joke. Like what? <laughs> that's so cool that they they have jokes like that. Oh my god. <laughs> I missed something? When did we get to Disneyland? <laughs> <laughs> I love to, and I noticed this because another uh, cool aspect of watching movies through Amazon is on the x-ray portion, they show you what they're called in the script, and all of the Jawa dinks, they're all called dink in the script. <laughs> they're yeah. all dink. That's awesome. Uh, I, I think in the that. credits of the movie it says the dinks and just has the people's names listed. Yeah. Dink, 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 dink. Ding 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 ding. Ding ding. That's another thing. You could you could go twenty years without seeing this movie. As soon as you see that scene about to pop up, before they even start doing the song, you can immediately go ding ding. You know you can do the song with them. Oh, and just in keeping with the thing I was pointing out about John Candy, he laps at the water when they're pouring it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, I wonder too how much of that is was written in the script. And how much was it John Candy bringing the character to life and, you know, just mad-libbing shit that a dog would do on the fly, you know? Because it could go either way. Because John Candy was a fucking genius who never phoned in movies. And he was always trying to elevate his characters to whatever extent that he could, no no matter the movie. And I could totally see those being things that could have been in the script because of how fucking... Uh, attentive they were with every little detail and also just something that he thought he could do to make his character more like a dog just because John Candy was a genius and fucking I, missed that man. Why do I laugh every time at them jamming the radar? Why is that funny to me every single time? About to be jammed. Jammed. <laughs> this giant fucking jar of jam. 
slams him to a satellite. Dude, it's the editing because it comes off screen. <laughs> it comes from the right side of the screen off the screen. <laughs> that fucking that fucking can of the, the jar of jam is like would be like half the size of the Winnebago. <laughs> Not if we jam it. Jam it. When you're right, you're right. And you? And you you're always, You're always right. right. That's another line. I quote that probably once a week, if not once every other day. You know, I I look. I love that line. It's the best. No, and then that's when they bring in Michael Winslow. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, he picks up the uh, the 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 handset to call them over. <laughs> Something's wrong with the radar, sir. You don't need that private right here. Something's wrong with the radar, sir. <laughs> <laughs> he rips it out of his hand and he just does the same voice again. Yeah, it's fucking genius, dude. Have you no quicker aside? Have you ever seen him, Michael Winslow? I'm talking about On do stage? the fucking Led Zeppelin song. No. Oh, dude, he does. I think it's um, I think it might be a whole lot of love. That motherfucker sings and does all of the guitar solos in one take on a talk show. Of Led Zeppelin's whole lot of love, and it sounds like the fucking song, dude. I I'm gonna find this and fucking link it to you because it's fucking crazy. Uh, I just, any anyone who hasn't seen this, YouTube Michael Winslow, that's his name, right? You, yes. you said Michael Winslow is his name. Michael Winslow, Led Zeppelin, and you'll find it and fucking watch it, dude. It will blow your goddamn mind. Uh, uh, m- m- uh Mr. Poe. Someone that Jeff and I used to both work for, uh, he saw him on stage one time when he came to Tulsa. Oh yeah, yeah, and he said that'd it was be a, a cool show. Pretty damn good show. Yeah, you want to talk about a singular genius? Is that man? No <laughs> one can do what that guy can do. And he's in what all nineteen Police Academy movies? I think <laughs> nineteen. <laughs> so we're Patrol. about to go to show our review of Rocky Five Thousand. <laughs> He became trapped in the car and ate himself to death. <laughs> yeah, that dude's delivery is uh, money, too. That old, and he's like 15 degrees bit. off of Steve Martin. It's like they couldn't get Steve Martin, so they got that guy. Yeah, yeah. Because he's just 15 degrees off of Steve Martin, even with his delivery and his demeanor. <clears throat> yeah, 1,000%. I love the uh, the fucking fight they have towards the end where it's uh, the Schwartz battle. Between Dark Helmet and Lone Star. The ring where is they have the fight. And he fucking kills the cameraman. <laughs> they just he did it. Uh, yeah, they just uh they just fucking grind the movie to a halt just to have him kill the cameraman. I, I love There's it. always something, right? Because like Blazing Saddles, that final that big final fight in the third act spills over into other movies and other sets. The few people break the fucking fourth wall as good as Mel Brooks they does do in his movies. They do it immediately at the beginning of the movie. I, I was just about to segue to that too. The the fucking uh, exposition dump they have. Everybody, yeah. Then uh, Rick Moranis stops, takes like a foot or two step towards the camera, and he just has this scowl on his face as he says, "Everybody got that." <laughs> and then later. When he's doing that thing that villains do, is the camera closes in on him, and they like further like exposition a scene um and the camera bumps him and knocks him down and everybody turns and looks and then turns back 
Did you notice that Sanders in the background, the camera starts moving forward, makes his face like, oh shit, and then he moves out of the frame as it's coming in just before. Oh, it I have to look for that next time. I, I did not notice he that. He looks at the really camera funny. like, oh, and then like moves real quick, and then it hits helmet, and he's like, ah, and falls over. And then everyone That's in the great. background turns around, looks, and then goes back to their job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, the fucking Mega Maid, dude. We have to talk about the Mega Maid. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit. There goes the planet. <laughs> there goes the planet. Uh, <laughs> the fucking first time they show the, the giant vacuum, I think it... I think I burst out laughing every time. Even I know it's coming, but it's just like the way they, they edit together so epically. Yes. And the music gets all dramatic and shit. And they have all these dynamic camera angles as it's transforming. Well, and just to have it be the fucking Mega made with the vacuum, dude, it's, it's hilarious. The music itself is kind of minimalist and bassy. Like, you know, like when anywhere something's in space, they always have real minimalist music. And it's always real kind of bassy. You feel it more than you hear it. And yeah, which I think is a space... Uh, um, space trope yeah yeah and yeah they're doing that during it as it's having this epic transformation and then it's fucking mega made and then the setup for the planet of the apes joke Spa- 2001 a space odyssey sorry i was trying to think of the movie that that's kind of like callback to is is uh yeah Kubrick's yeah th- space odyssey they pretty much did that and i think every science fiction movie after that has always mimicked that um yeah but the setup for the fucking Planet of the Apes joke, Mega, <laughs> like, Mega Maid just has the maid-like thing on her head. But when the escape pods are firing, those are extending one at a time. And then yep. after it self-destructs, it looks like the fucking Statue of Liberty on the beach. Yep. That's because it's the vacuum handle instead <laughs> of, you know, the, instead the, of the torch. Yeah. And the yeah. things are still extended, so it looks like the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> fucking genius. Indeed. Also, totally they call back in that scene, they call back to a joke from the beginning of the movie that is just in passing, that means nothing. Uh, at the beginning of the movie, Colonel Sanders is getting ready to initiate ludicrous speed, <laughs> and he's telling them to <laughs> shut down the three-ring circus. They've gone plaid. Space <laughs> Ball <laughs> 1's gone plaid. Whoa. Um, <laughs> so he uh he tells them to batten down the hatches to cancel the three ring circus and to make sure that the zoo is locked down and at the end of the movie and self-destruct sequence is initiated there's fucking clowns jumping around and one of the bears is in the escape pod from the zoo when he waves at the camera dude yes yes but like that is just a fucking joke that was two seconds long at the beginning of the movie in passing, and at the end there's a payoff of fucking clowns running around and animals. I'm the bearded lady. What are you? What of the freaks? <laughs> 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 fucking rotten tomatoes. 50, How is this a fifty-five? I don't how is it. this a fucking I, I'll never get over that it, it's it's like you know how Batman can never get over the, like the death of his parents my fucking uh you know <laughs> critical fucking moment of character development is goddamn Rotten Tomatoes Ron not giving me my goddamn high score on fucking space balls dude those bastards should have their fucking sight taken down bro okay so uh, I was on Rotten Tomatoes the other day why'd you say that name what are you doing uh Oh, 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 yeah, okay. 
I have a quick question because I never noticed it until it was uh, pointed out on Hollywood Babylon. Okay. That the fucking Spaceballs the coloring book was a fucking Transformers coloring book. But you can clearly Prime. see Optimus Prime. I did saw you th- notice that? I until saw that it was pointed out time. to you because I never did. I saw that this time for the first time. Yeah, I did too because I was specifically looking for it. I never noticed it until it was specifically mentioned. And the first time it was mentioned to me on Hollywood Babylon, the podcast with uh, Ralph Garman and Kevin Smith, I was like, no, there's no way. And I, I YouTubed it back then. I was like, holy shit, they're right. Yep. And then specifically looking for it on this viewing, I questioned how I never fucking realized it before. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know how I've never seen it before either. And You're a Master Transformers fan too. And- I feel like if anyone should have caught it, it would have been <laughs> you. But it's just it's just not fucking able to be recognized, dude. It's crazy. My kids have uh, have discovered rescue bots. So okay. I've had Transformers on the brain a lot lately because watching that makes me nostalgic for my Transformers. And I've been thinking about streaming a Transformers-related game. And so I've got Transformers on the brain. And he holds up Spaceballs the coloring book. And I was like, what the fuck? That is, There's no way that's not Optimus Prime it, on the cover. Is it? And what's really bizarre, too, is isn't... It, it they draw even more attention to it accidentally because I think on the cover of the coloring book Optimus Prime is is in color. He's very yes. bright red and blue. I want to say there's and no way just, that that is not him. They picked a coloring book cover that would have the most iconic character on the front. And this movie was made in the '80s too, so that was mm-hmm. Transformers' heyday. You know, oh, every yeah. fucking kid in America had Transformers toys. It, they so. literally probably just picked up a random book off of a shelf and it there's no way it wouldn't have been transformers because this movie is what 87 87 yeah 87 yeah there was just a major motion picture in 86 transformers the movie oh yeah i haven't i hadn't even considered about this is like so this would have been filmed in 86 yeah fucking the prime of transformers dude Fucking bad shit. The yeah. prime uh, of Transformers. Line. Wow. Well done. The oh, I, I, I don't even realize what I what did I say? I I didn't even pick up what I said. <laughs> yeah. Um. You basically just said Transformers heyday, and you're like, yeah, it was the prime of Transformers. Totally did you? Totally non intentional. So you're welcome, America. Mm. <laughs> mm. Well done. Totally not. Totally not intentional. Maybe I should podcast more when I've, you know, just been ground to dust by not only my work being terrible, but also Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League. But uh, quickest aside back to the movie again. Uh, so, uh, wait, is that so? The, is a new drinking game for Screenplay Rewind? Uh, take a drink every time a Dark Souls is mentioned. <laughs> and you will die probably if you do that one. Oh, yeah. Don't do so shots. Take a drink every right beer for that one. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. D- take a drink of beer every time Dark Souls is mentioned, every time Jeff bitches about Rotten Tomatoes, and every time Jeff bitches about the, uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League cut. Oh, and yeah. There's probably there's gonna be a lot of that in the future of this show. Yeah, Ever, we're going to be responsible for a lot of alcohol poisoning. So I'm telling you, though, the Colbert cut's going to wash that taste right out of your mouth. I, I am That's the ready. chaser you need, my friend. I am ready. So we, another uh, line that I... My body is I, ready. <laughs> another line that is just in my vernacular forever, just like, 
you know, when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. Is um, merchandising, merchandising. <laughs> Just the way he he delivers all of his lines as yogurt is hysterical. I, like I a, love how upfront he is about it all too, because there's that, and then God willing, we'll all meet each other again in Spaceballs too. The search for more money, for more money. Yeah, uh, oh I, I like God. what he uh, he's, Spaceballs the lunchbox, Spaceballs the flamethrower. <laughs> the kids love this one, and I love too it, that it, that um. More uh, background material that's really funny is after they have that scene, they have in in shots pretty much all throughout the rest of the film is something in the background is Spaceballs the sheet, you know, uh, Spaceballs the placemat at the the, like the fucking diner, like 30 (laughs) minutes after the merchandising joke, they have Spaceballs the placemat at the diner. I just mentioned the diner has made Ron break. (laughs) So... How much of that shit do you think Mel Brooks has in his office? Oh, I hope he has all of it. I hope some, at least one of all that stuff survived because someone had to go out and have that shit made. Oh, yeah. And it's everywhere. It is It's fucking everywhere. everywhere. Fucking. Every time we watch this, we're going to notice it. We're going to notice more of it. Yeah, there's, I'm sure there's and shit I in the background that I still haven't noticed to this day. You know, after watching this movie probably 30 fucking times. I didn't even see any of it before that joke. It's like it all gets dumped into the movie after that joke. And movies are filmed out of order. Like, this was yeah. all fucking premeditated, dude. Next, Yeah, every little fucking detail is premeditated, and it's just next level. Uh, for a parody. For a, just a parody for of For a parody, dude. There, like, this movie has so much. There's so much love. It's a passion project, and I love that about it. Um, you know, because... Uh, they didn't have to do that. This movie probably would have been a big success had they half-assed it, but they just refused to. They will make every movie as good as they possibly can, and that's really admirable because a lot of movie makers don't have that same opinion on their work. So oh. let's talk about the diner scene. We have to talk about the fucking diner scene. Oh, I yeah, love this so much. As, as <laughs> what, what, was the, uh, what was Alien, the second movie we covered, I think? I think we opened with yes. The Thing. We did and The then, Thing, and then we did two parts on Alien. You sure it wasn't four parts in Alien? We did a lot of parts I of stuff. We could have done then. four parts on Alien. I yeah, we yeah. Yeah, we totally could have. So the fucking diner scene, dude. And I also love how John Hurt is just John Hurt in the cat in the yeah. uh, the script. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it literally says in the scrolling cast, John Hurt, John Hurt. John Hurt. <laughs> Which is a, a great joke in itself, and it's part of the fucking credits, dude. <laughs> it doesn't even say himself. It says John Hurt, John Hurt. So oh, it's not, not him being himself. It is him playing himself. It is fucking phenomenal. But we need to have we need to have an entire just like month dedicated to John Hurt movies because oh I God. fucking love that dude. Just think, dude. Oh my God! If we cover the Elephant Man, you will hear me cry I don't on know the recording. I can do it again. That movie. I don't think I can either. That movie broke my fucking soul, oh, dude. It was so sad. It's so and sad. The fact. Oh, okay, okay, okay. A quick aside to the quicker and quickest asides. <laughs> the fact. Another thing about just general movies that pisses me off as a as a movie lover is the fucking Oscars. How did John Hurt not win Best Actor for fucking playing the Elephant Man? It's a travesty. It's what, the what? How much emotion does he convey through thirty fucking pounds of makeup? 
It, it, but you give it to Robert. Alone. But you give it to Robert De Niro for playing a fucking boxer in Raging Bull. Fuck off, dude. Fuck yeah. off, Oscars. Like they should have been fucking canceled for for life in perpetuity for hosing him on that fucking award because. As soon as I saw that movie, I was like, surely he won the Oscar for this, right? Because it's one of the best performances I've ever seen in my life. And I have watched how many fucking thousands of movies just... And I was just so blown away by it. And he was such a genius. And the fact that he didn't get it for that just, to this day, pisses me off. And he's such a versatile actor. Like, look at his cameo in Spaceballs. Look at him... In Alien, look at him in 1984. Look at him in the uh, the Elephant Man. Look at him as the War Doctor. Yeah. Look at him in Harry Potter. Uh, Hellboy. Hellboy. I like his role in Hellboy a lot too. Yeah. Like, oh my God, he's such a versatile actor, and even the roles that he plays that are similar, the nuances of them are so different. Yeah. It it, it was it was absolutely incredible, and I I miss him all the time. It's it's a shame that the um, just so many of my you know all time favorite actors you know are in this movie and most of them passed away. It's it's a shame you know when you get to that point to where movies become classics, you start to look back and you get a, a deeper appreciation for it. Once you can look back at you know obviously you love an actor in the present. You know like we we would have loved John Hurt you know back in the day, but you have even more reverence when you can look back at not only his performance in this movie singularly but you know just his career as a whole and just to see that you know one human being could just have so much potential in them as an actor or as a writer or you know just as an artist in general and you're just you're just in awe of just how talented they truly were and and to this day people don't fully appreciate john hurt as much as they should and i think every single i think one of the movies now i know we were talking about just now how how hard it would be to go back and watch it again because of just how much uh, it devastates you as a person if you have, you know, a soul. But every single person should watch The Elephant Man just to get a full appreciation for how fucking good that guy was. Oh, my God, I know. Um, oh, shit, I just punched my desk. Um, yeah, it's the one of the greatest novel adaptations to a movie I have ever seen is 1984... And at the very least, 60% of that is fucking John Hurt's portrayal of Winston. I still need to see that, actually. Yes. His portrayal of Winston is... It changed the way I read the book. Because every once in a while, I I pick up the book and and read it again. And it's one of the few things that that I revisit. And I read the book before I ever saw the movie. And then when I saw the movie, it forever changed the way I read the book. Be- and yeah. it, it's all him. Yeah, so you uh, he he became not just an abstract character, but John Hurt in your brain. You know, it's kind of yeah. like those things, like like the Harry Potter, uh, you know, fans, like the diehards. You know, you you mm-hmm. can't be reading that book now and not see the actors not the whole time. D-Rad. You know, yeah, you can't see. That's a Ralph you can't, you know, reference. <laughs> it's 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 interesting. Uh, you know, just how much your brain can latch a you know a character uh, to an actor. You know, the there's a lot of subtlety and everything to the way that book is written to the way the main character is suffering that even in just his facial expression, walking down the hall to get to his job is emanating. Uh, Mm -hmm. like you could tell that he, he fucking got it. 
And you can tell that every movie he's in, every TV show he appeared on, everything he ever did, he fucking got the character. Uh, it's yeah. just, oh, dude, him as the war doctor trying to figure out, you know, what is it good for, <laughs> basically, um, and the no more stuff. And it's fucking Doctor Who, dude. And I mean, Doctor Who, I love Doctor Who, but we're also talking about, you know, a a, a, sci- a sci-fi show that enjoys being campy. Like, it, it tries to be campy when it can. It gets very serious when it can. And it has canine, good. for Christ's sake. Yeah, I yeah, love canine. 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 Canine's a goofy fucking concept that I love, but it's goofy. Yeah, and... Then you bring John Hurt into it, and he's giving an Elephant Man level performance for the War Doctor, and the, you know, he's he's very much the Doctor, but you can tell he's very pained because he doesn't enjoy anything about his existence because his whole purpose for existing is breaking the oath the Doctor made back when he was you know Generation One Doctor. Yeah, it's he's absolutely incredible, incredible man, incredible actor. What absolute perfect casting he was for the because they had to establish the war doctor to have incredibly important relevance for the stories they were trying to tell with very little screen time and very little character development. And who do you bring in? John Hurt, who was just fucking like gravitas incarnate, like just without saying a fucking like he just had such a uh, way that he carried himself in his roles where you yeah. just immediately no matter what he was trying to do in his character's, uh, you know, aspects, he he you just bought it, you know. And there's a YouTube you can you can YouTube the short when uh, what's I always forget the dude's name uh, that preceded uh, the War Doctor. Um, I think it was like Christopher a, Eccleston. No, um, mm, I can't I can't think. Of it. I think he was like the American-made Doctor Who. Um, uh, oh, um, the, in the in the nineties, he 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 was at Paul McGann. Yes, Is it Paul McGann. Yes, he was at he's at a, at an event where he read um the War Doctor's speech. Uh, I believe it was Paul McGann. Yes, uh, there's a YouTube short where Paul McGann regenerates into the War Doctor, mm-hmm. and the War Doctor is young. They kind they kind of made John Hurt look young for that. So and then when he's in the fiftieth anniversary special. He looks old. He looks like he has seen some shit. He looks like he's been at war his entire life, which he technically has. And you yeah. get that just from his eyes, right? You get that he has seen some fucking shit just from his eyes alone in throughout that entire anniversary special. Even when he's being funny, it has this depressed cadence to his voice, this sad cadence, even when he's being funny. I yeah, just, he's just an absolute genius, dude. I just what a loss, what a tremendous loss when he yeah, passed away. Man was. We will at some point do some specials on him, even if it's just like a roundup, just talking about some of our favorites because like he, he just he's just one of those uh, actors. It just always you know it's, it's it's reoccurring in the back of my mind when I just think back to you know just like watching this movie made me think back to you know like he's his delivery in that scene. Oh, not again! It's <laughs> so good. <laughs> and that Why same man did this man the... some Pepto Bismol. <laughs> <laughs>
Fucking, uh, hello, my baby. Hello, oh, my, my honey. honey. Hello, my ragtime gal. That old thing. That fucking joke should not fucking work. It should not. Does it work? Absolutely. fucking lutely Without hesitation. I'm laughing the whole time. Looking at their fucking faces as he's just going across the fucking counter in front of John Candy and Bill Pullman. I'm dying, dude. When the short order cook comes out and sees it just drops everything he's carrying. And they took the time. If you look at the fucking little alien, uh, little xenomorph puppet, see, they gave him shoes too, dude. They took the time. Dude, someone got paid to make the little shoes on the fucking xenomorph, dude. What I want to know after seeing Alien so recently and then seeing this is that the same puppet? Or maybe like a prototype. Or like like an early prototype or something? Because I can totally see it. It looks so similar. How funny would it be if they let John Hurt keep the puppet and <laughs> so he, he brought, brought the in. puppet? He brought it so they could have the authentic. How awesome would that be? If that's true. Like, because that's something I could totally. Because you know, almost everyone in movies sneaks part of the set as memorabilia, as like a, like a little like a trophy. You know, just as a callback to their performance. You know, like I think uh, they gave. I think they gave Chris Evans one of the cap shields, you know, along yeah. those lines where someone, you know, always like uh, Mark Hamill got one of the the, the lightsaber. Maybe he treated it like a kidney stone. Like, no, this is from my body. This is mine. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, yeah, totally. but dude, the, the, the tired, the tired old one liner cliche is still funny after watching. The dancing alien, and they stand up and go, check, please, in unison. <laughs> like, how how old of a joke is that, Jeff? And I laugh every time they go, check, please. Oh, the, the, the fucking, uh, <laughs> the ragtime gal thing. How old of a callback is that? Even, even, not even accounting for now. That was an old reference for 1980-fucking-7. Like 50-year-old joke then. <laughs> yeah. And he has... The fucking he has the little hat that like dancers like the male dancers had in like the fucking movies of the twenties and thirties. Like kiss by wire, my heart's on fire. <laughs> if you refuse me, honey, you lose me. Yeah, that's the best. <laughs> so uh, this is the I've ragtime reached... podcast now. Yeah, yeah. But there's just nothing but quick stuff. We probably should just fucking <laughs> rename it at this point. Oh. More of the drinking game. Whenever we talk about something the podcast should be renamed to. <laughs> if we ever make it big, we're releasing an official drinking game, and it's a board game, tabletop uh, people, board game. People will die, and I would rather not be liable uh, <laughs> by their families, but you can you can go down that road. <laughs> you you mentioned Hollywood Babylon. Remember one of their fans created the official drinking game on a website. You look it up. And you oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's, it's totally true. So I, I've kind of ran out of everything that I had on my... Uh, ob- obviously, we could remark on every little fucking joke because I laugh at probably 80% of this fucking movie or at least smile at it, you know? Were, were there any other tidbits or anything else you wanted to discuss before we wrap up the uh, episode? The the two things that we, we glossed over in my notes I wanted to make note of when we were talking about um, Rick Moranis' performance... Uh, some of them are super subtle, and it's still genius, and it still makes you laugh. Like, when Sanders goes, instant tapes, and he takes that step backwards. Like, what? <laughs> like, that's a thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he takes, like, a single step backwards. Like, 
well, well, they do the same thing. I think him and Sanders do it later on when they say the Mega Mate's been turned from suck to blow, and they all do like they they jump back like three feet. <laughs> I bet she gives great head, a great helmet. <laughs> oh god, no! Oh my god, your helmet's so big. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then uh, the other thing. I it all it's always his body language when he does this always makes me laugh. But it wasn't until now that I'm in my thirties, my mid thirties, watching him face plant into the desert when he passes out. Bill Pullman had to have hurt himself, right? Like oh he, yeah, he hits yeah face first, and he almost bounces. Like he just he whips down real fast and slams into the desert. Ray Moranis does the same thing when he passes out after hitting his head and he just face plants. Like, it looked like, dude, he fuck like, there, you can tell when someone's holding back because they yeah. kind of, like, arch their back and they're hesitant to fall. Fucking Rick Moranis and Bill <laughs> Pullman fucking go for it, dude. <laughs> they fucking go for it, and kudos to them because that would be hard to do. I would imagine that would take a few takes just to be able to train your brain to not react because your instincts are saying, hey, idiot, you're falling, <laughs> you know? So... Stephen Colbert has talked about that a lot. Uh, his his mother was an actor, and she was a dancer. And the one thing that she, when Colbert was a child, she had him practice falling, because if he could practice falling, then he could nail like comedy and be in comedy bits. And she coached him in falling and he would spend hours just practicing falling that's really cool because it makes sense it makes sense if you... yeah i have to imagine that rick moranis at least his whole life being comedy has had to practice falling at some point yeah i, yeah, I could totally see it yeah a- another character actor who could not have been picked more perfectly is steven tobolowski you idiots, you've captured their stunt doubles. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that popped into my head and I saw that was that goddamn Avengers game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought this, that popped up in my head too. I now for that was such a, a fucking excellent joke. Whoever tweeted that, that is permanently attached to this scene, and I kind of love them for it because it's such a good fucking joke. I think one of us should find it and you should tweet it on our Twitter once this episode yeah. goes live because yeah, it's so spot on. <laughs> God, that it's... game looks so fucking true. But yeah, Steven Tobolowski, he's another good one where if you need a guy to establish a very specific character, <laughs> uh, it's it's uh, it, it's Steven Tobolowski. He's basically the same kind of quirky asshole in Groundhog Day. <laughs> you know, uh, He's he's a guy he's always running to on the street at the very beginning of his day, and he's it's fucking Steve Tobolowski. Oh, dude. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I'm looking at some of the quotes on IMDb, and I'm just seeing stuff that how have neither one of us quoted for the whole movie's quotable. It's 90 minutes of quotable <laughs> lines, so we can't touch it. it. Would we would literally have to just recite the movie to have all of the good lines noted? Well, I'm like, just it's, saying, it's like crazy. when we're playing PUBG, how have we never quoted some of this shit, dude? Like, uh, say goodbye to your two best friends. And I don't mean your pals in the Winnebago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one, too. Like, what? I hate it when my shorts gets twisted. I hate it when my shorts gets all twisted. 
Um, but then like all the times that you yell, okay, going quiet. And then someone keeps like running or whatever. And then you call them out and they're always sorry. Now I'm looking at this. Don't be sorry. Be quiet. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you even think about that? That's fucking perfect. (laughs) Right. I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. Be quiet. Oh God. Do you? Yes. Do you? Yeah. Kiss it. You're married. (laughs) (laughs) I'm marrying someone today. I don't give a good goddamn who it is. <laughs> the fucking sign on the front today. The oh wait, we didn't talk about Prince Valium is also one of the best lines. Come back. The, uh, where, where have you been? <laughs> uh, I love the the, the fucking joke on the sign where it's today. Uh, you know, uh, Princess Vesta uh, Vespa being married to Prince Valium tomorrow. Bingo night. <laughs> <laughs> Take two. <laughs> Take two at the end, yeah. Um, I, I was like, now I get that that Prince uh, Prince Valium is a pill, but blah 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 blah. And I was like, oh my god, really? We really worked that, that in? in. They put that in there, bro. Yeah, and they worked it in, and it worked. I I don't I don't know. Yeah. One, oh, one, uh, two, two, three, three, four, s- four, five. <laughs> Someone on the set had to take the time to develop a fucking pair of headphones that would look like yes. Princess Leia's hair. <laughs> yes, that's one of the things I meant to write down. Just yeah. that was one of the greatest jokes in the movie, dude. <laughs> yeah. Will you God turn those I... things off? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I wonder if she's glad. Stop looking up my can. <laughs> <laughs> That's my virgin alarm. It's programmed to go off before you do. Uh, Rivers is a genius, too. Her, her delivery in this movie is oh. just every line's immaculate, every line's hilarious. I forgot about the great. water, water, and then pant, pant, oil, oil, room service, <laughs> room service. Room service. <laughs> Take only what you need to survive. It's my industrial strength hair dryer, and I can't live without it. And I it. can't live without it. <laughs> you can't live without it. You carry it. <laughs> they go. They go to a wide shot for him just throwing it on the ground, and when it hits the think- sand, it doesn't even bounce. It just sticks right where it lands. <laughs> and, and, and I think they fucking like crank the audio mix to just be pure fucking bass. <laughs> It's a royal just match luggage. <laughs> the the thing that makes that hairdryer so funny is just he throws it down and it just goes thunk and it, it's in a wide <laughs> shot for no reason. Oh yeah, this is much better. I could carry twenty of these things now. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, dude. Every if you if you mention one obscure line, your brain can immediately match up all the surrounding lines. And you can quote it in the cadence of the goddamn actor. Oh. That's all you need to know. It's fucking amazing. And goddamn, we, we'll be here all night if we just continue to. <laughs> uh, did you have any other notes before we sign off, though? I no, think you said maybe one more thing. That is pretty much everything. Oh, I did notice one thing. Um, so this was a PG movie in 1987, which was fuck. after the Temple of Doom, which indirectly created the rating of PG-13. So how is this PG movie, and in the third act, uh, dropping an f bomb? Yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah, I did. Fuck! Even the future, nothing works. <laughs> the cancellation but, button for the self destruct. So, so PG thirteen specifically has, 
Yeah, the guy. Oh, the song has uh, callbacks to the main plot of the fucking movie with the air supply, yeah. too, which I never noticed until this viewing. Watch out! Uh, what you got is what we need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's the fucking air. But um, so did they used to have a PG rule where you could drop one F-bomb? Because that is specifically just PG-13 nowadays. That or it went under the radar. Yeah, because Kevin Smith has talked about one of his movies that something went through the ratings board and they were shocked when it came back because it should have been a rating higher, but it flew under the radar. Craziness, dude. Yeah, yeah. Because so. the first thing the, I like this was just a, a, the extent to a fucking movie geek that I am is as soon as I heard him drop the f bomb, I a googled the year of the movie <laughs> and then b googled temple of doom to verify the pg-13 year <laughs> yeah yeah i i i am helpless at this point but yeah i uh god damn I, I could go watch space walls again right smoke fucking now dude you got him smoke him if you got him why don't we just take a five minute break <laughs> <laughs> uh rick moranis please come back and act more the world needs more rick moranis he's incredible <laughs> okay hold on one last note one when, more thing. When they're in the desert, and they're combing the desert, right? And he's in the car with the big safari helmet. We ain't found shit. We almost <laughs> made it through the whole... But this movie is so cool. Well, we almost didn't quote that, which we quote all the fucking time. Oh, uh, but he's in the big safari-like helmet, right? Out in the desert. Yeah. It has the little place for his eyes that opens and closes, but the voice changes regarding whether it's open or closed. (laughs) (laughs) It's this little bitty tiny window that's not even over his mouth. It's over his eyes. And when he closes it, it's the deep voice. So when he opens it, it's the Rick Moranis voice. (laughs) I love this movie so much. Thank thank you, Bobby. I needed this in my life right now. I really did. come at a better time for you, I don't think. Dude, absolutely. If this movie wasn't about Spaceballs, I think I probably would have fallen asleep like an hour ago because I'm exhausted. But you start giving me Spaceballs uh, quotes to send out there, bro, into the ether of the interwebs. I will fucking do it in comedic <laughs> timing with the actors. Yes, fuck yeah, uh... dude. Yeah, I think that's going to be a wrap. Uh, again, I'm sure Bobby is going to Texas as soon as he listens to this fucking episode saying, how the fuck did you not talk about X, Y, and Z? And I'm sorry, Bobby, but... This it's is too, too much. much good. It's There's too, too much. much good. I I only have so much time, and we're on the verge of equaling the runtime, and we still didn't cover all the fucking jokes. The uh, the thing that I was just laughing at in the background as you were closing us out is because I just remembered the uh, them looking at the instant cassette of Spaceballs the movie. Uh, no, 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 go past this part. In fact, never play this again. <laughs> <laughs> When he's looking back and forth, just like, yeah, with that panic look on his face, is never show this again. Yeah, what now? No, well, we, the, the I want to know how many takes it took to do the the what's happening now. No, you it, it, you just missed it. You know that whole back and yeah. forth is so specific. I don't know how the fuck they. <laughs> I don't know how the fuck they did that that scene. It's so specific in the in the. Uh, the I, ver- I, I like, almost feel like it's ad libbed, but I don't know. No, yeah, I I think they probably spent an entire week. The three writers, <laughs> Mel Brooks and the other two, probably just writing that exchange because it's so specific, dude. <laughs> uh. 
but yeah uh this has been our friends and family month and yeah me and ron have talked uh, briefly about how we obviously will be returning with this segment in the future uh it will definitely definitely be a once a year thing at, at the very least it was fun i think what i think it's it's a, it's a great uh idea to just really have a lot of variation to what we're uh you know talking about it's been a blast uh, it's it's a lot more interactive because we can you know talk about these specific things and then you know show the episode you know to our our buddies uh you know that have, that have recommended it and our friends so it's, it's it's a great time so yeah we'll probably do it at least once a year maybe maybe more often it'll probably just kind of uh, when we have an open schedule because we do have to we we do double the episodes for the month we do twice a month typically and doing four even though yeah, if you're just joining us this is not a weekly show <laughs> it is not a weekly show unless we ramble about some shit and end up having two parts accidentally again which is <laughs> probably gonna happen again at some point because you never fucking know we're on us. the verge of that with this one yeah this is an hour and a half this is like the max we gotta, I gotta get us the fuck out of here <laughs> <laughs> we have to be shorter than Might the runtime of balls. <laughs> prepare to fast forward fast forwarding sir <laughs> uh ron where can people find you when you are not quoting space balls on this podcast you can find me every sunday monday and tuesday at 9 30 p.m u.s central time over on twitch.tv forward slash ron tv i'm also on twitter and youtube mm. under that same handle perfect so you can find me on twitter at gmiller spr and you can follow the show for more updates and probably all the shit that i talked about in the show like the michael wins uh winslow led zeppelin thing and the <laughs> you've captured their stunt doubles i'll probably have that on there too i'll try to hunt all that down and you can find that on our twitter it's at spr filmcast uh we, yeah uh, i think that's should we go into what movies next oh yeah i i, I almost prepared to fast forward <laughs> fast <laughs> forwarding to Okay, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. We got, we got four minutes. We have to get I out of here before. I waited for you to close completely out before I said anything, just to see, <laughs> just to see how so we, far we, this goes. We have to get out of here in a shorter time span than the runtime of Spaceball, so you have three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, after much deliberation and searching what is available, uh, Jeff, this is one you're going to have to rent since we're still not able to get together, sadly. Um, I think at least it's going to be one you're going to have to rent. Um, I would like to review The Fifth Element. Oh, okay. Good pull. I have been wanting to revisit that for a very long time because I really liked it, but I don't think I've actually seen it since around the time it was coming out. What was that, like late 90s? Something like uh, that? 1997. And Damn. I, um, I have a two-sided DVD. One side is full screen, one side is widescreen. That I have just about worn out, so I have an unopened Blu-ray that I bought about a year ago that I would like to crack open. Nice. So I think do that before we hit our summer franchises here in yes. probably about a. I'm guessing about a month, month and a half. We'll be starting that, right? Yeah, we'll have to figure out what order we're doing shit in because we want to do uh, a few different franchises in uh, some of those months might have additional episodes that are potentially shorter. It just kind of depends. There's no such thing as a, this. This episode was supposed to be an hour long. So J- poor Jeff could go to fucking bed. We're at an hour and 33 minutes. We, and we, we were just quoting space balls the entire time. And I, I'm actually okay with this. We did spend 20 minutes giving John hurt a much too late send off. So I think we probably talked about John hurt in the past, but he, he is always worthy. Different of, podcast. I think. Oh shit. 
You're probably right. <laughs> I'm very tired, Ron. I I'm think very that tired. was the Wobby Expletives, which is still available on YouTube. Yeah. But so yeah, uh, uh, there's that. I mean, and- I think that's a very good pull. I, I have been really interested in revisiting that one. So you give me an excuse to revisit it for the show, and uh, we're going back to bi-weekly for now, so everyone knows uh, it's gonna be in uh dropping it in about you know two weeks time from this one i believe uh or maybe one week i don't know are we doing another week gap or are we going right back into the bi-weekly i actually haven't looked at the schedule that far ahead. i think the schedule has this dropping next week I don't oh know. shit okay disregard everything i just said <laughs> uh yeah Prepare to rewind rewinding sir i've got but, it yeah. in front of me uh it yeah it drops on the third okay uh, uh fuck me week, don't listen, don't listen to what i said two weeks Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, but, just whenever that drops, listen to it. We would really uh, appreciate it. And uh, you know, be sure to check back in next week for screenplay rewind to the search for more money. <laughs> <laughs> and be sure to check out. I want to give one more plug to Amazon Prime. Uh, Mel Brooks make a noise. It's very very good. I need to watch that too. Very very I fucking very love good. Mel Brooks. I need to see it. But yeah. Thanks for listening, and y'all have a good one.